0: Love to radio Stop come come Welcome back, everybody. Uh, surprise! Uh, I'm back again here. Uh, a little quick turnaround here for episode two. Uh, before I get into some things, uh, a little bit of a housekeeping here. Uh, from now on, uh, I will be doing my live show every Wednesday night. Uh, the tentative new title of the show will be called Big Cinnamon's Hump Day Beer Discussion. Uh, right now, I'm taking a sip <sighs> on a lovely notch left of the dial. Session IPA. I feel like that's a very responsible adult drink here for a Wednesday a Wednesday night. Also, big news coming back out here is that the Northeaster Sportscast radio here is back at it. We're going to be live this Sunday and every Sunday until pretty much the end of the NFL season from 8 to 10 a.m. coming to you live every Sunday. Uh, so here, Big Cinnamon's beer discussion uh, happened here. Every Wednesday night from here on out, we'll bring it back with the boys, Are, are back together again Sunday morning, and, and we'll take it from there. Uh, before we get into the live show, I want to thank my sponsor once again. This is brought to you by Papa Bear's Kind of Healthy Nut Butter out of Santa Monica, California. Again, people, if you didn't do it the first time, go on. The website is I ilovepapabear.com get yourself some good kind of healthy nut butter. I mean, it's it's cage free, it's free range, it's wildly cut, wildly caught nut butter, you know, at them Twitter, or Instagram, at eat papa bears. And when you're on the site, get yourself a bunch of good stuff here. My personal favorite is the toasted uh, the toasted coconut cashew butter. It is to die for. So do yourself a favor, go over to I Put I Love Papa Bear in the promo code. You'll get ten percent off all orders and get yourself tasting them on some healthy or kind of healthy nut butters. Alright, so thank you once again to Papa Bear for my sponsor. So here we are, episode two, back at it again. Uh, so You know, I listened to the first episode. You know, it was the first ever episode I did by myself, so give me some credit. Uh, There were some good, a lot of bad. You know, sometimes I I feel like I forgot how to speak the language of English. You know, I kind of, you know. Everybody knows you never go full retard. You went full retard, man. Never go full retard. Exactly, exactly. So that's kind of how I felt after have to listen to myself here on the first episode, but, you know, shooters keep on shooting and we're back here for episode two uh, and got a pretty good show, I think, for you here today. Um, so what I'm trying to do with these shows or the big Cinnamons kind of beer discussions here is kind of, kind of go on a journey, start looking at sports, you know, kind of outside the hot take type of role Um, especially since it's just me, the one man show, really don't think people want to spend as much time listen to you know my hot takes if i can't bounce off of some other idiots and and actually start a fun debate and whatnot um the kind of purpose of here is take a look a little bit of the culture aspects the money the business aspect of the sports world kind of how it's been developing over years and the idea is that each episode should sometimes overlap or they should build off each other so um the goal is that each episode you kind of kind of Developing a narrative, or um, if this is a book, that each episode here is a different chapter. That kind of kind of easily flows one um, one page or one chapter to another. So uh, you know, the idea was to talk. Or the original idea was to talk here uh, for an hour, but in all honesty, I don't think it's always feasible. You know, just to kind of force the way uh, to be talking for an hour so some episodes might be 20 minutes other episodes might be 40 minutes really depends on the topic how much i have to say about something but the idea is that we're learning a little bit by a little bit each episode that we keep on building off our experiences and 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 kind of discussions of topics and at the end of the day uh, when this thing is just tired we might have a, a, a better holistic view of the sports world, the sports industry, the sports culture, and kind of how it all plays into each other and whatnot. So, um, you know, as always, uh, you know, I know I did um, introduce this episode pretty quick and pretty late. Um, if you're listening, if you're bored, you can always give us a call here at 646 five three six. I'll be I'll be here for as long as this episode takes. If you have any comments on, on what we're talking about, and whatnot, please let me know uh, If you hear a little rattling here It's because I actually I actually need water uh, You know, it's hard Yeah, I get a raspy voice And I feel like I'm coughing up a storm So I have to drink some water here So I, I apologize for the dead silence A couple seconds each time uh, The boy needs his water So get over it Or my beer at the moment So, so without further ado We're going to get here in episode 2 Um, we'll be, we'll be trying to stay a little bit on how we're consuming sports, but we're going to be mostly focusing on kind of the business and money sides of professional sports and, you know, the big four or five professional organizations out there and kind of what they do to make money, how, what are the revenue streams and kind of how, how these, this is kind of set up to and how the networks and these organizations are set up to try to try to make us consume their sports. So a little bit more on the money side, we'll try to wrap it, wrap it back in and how we consume sports here at the end. And overall I'll try to have two, uh, two complete episodes of, of what's going, what's going on here. So, you know, the the idea here will stay at a, a fairly macro level. Um, not going to get, too into the weeds. I mean, some of the some of the contracts, TV contracts and whatnot, you get fairly difficult to comprehend. I'll try to kind of break it down in the easiest form, and uh, pick it up from there. So, you know, I I think kind of to kind of kick off the conversation, I think we first need to uh, talk about or understand a little bit about the revenue channels and the revenue streams for these major organizations your your nfl your nba your mlb your 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 nhl um and a little bit we i might touch on the pga tour and how that kind of works but trying to conceptualize and understand where this money coming in i think is is an important part of kind of understanding a lot about the business side of these professional organizations so with with the most most of these teams, you, you have a, a couple big chunks of the pie. Um, most, most of all of these, these professional sports leagues, TV contracts, are the number one revenue source. So with the NFL, it's, mo- it's always coming from a national perspective. Uh, your, your NBCs, your ESPNs, are, they're owned by ABC. Um, your CBXs, your Foxes, so they all buy um, national or contracts so they can air the game nationally, and that's majority of. That's really the only the only type of TV contract the NFL makes is at the national level. When you get into the preseason games, local networks can can have contracts to air those games. But when we get into the regular season, only the only contracts at the national level are really dealing with the NFL. Um, whereas TV contracts with you know, your, your MLBs, your NBAs, your, uh, your NHLs will have a mix of national contracts and, and local, local contracts or local sports channels. Um, in some cases, like in the MLB, there are a good amount of teams that actually hold the rights to the, the more localized channels. You know, I, I for instance, I think the Toronto Blue Jays actually own all the rights to um, their their local broadcasting TV. I think um, C.S.N. Philly, the the Phillies own about 20 25 percent of those national rights. So when you get down to more of a local level, you'll see some of these teams actually have rights. You know, I think the YES Network. I think the Yankees own one hundred percent of the YES Network. So more so in in your sports like hockey and basketball and baseball, you'll have contracts at a more local level and a national level, whereas the NFL is purely national. So how it works kind of in the NBA is that ESPN and TNT buy the rights uh, to air, to air national games. And and then the really, there might, there's some restrictions on, but it's not, it's not worth it to really keep um, tabs on it. But ESPN, TNT buy the rights uh, for the NBA. And then they basically pick and choose the games that they want to air on national television. And if we can relate it back um, a little bit to our our discussion on Sunday, how how we talk about how we're consuming the product, you know, these teams or, you know, TNT and ESPN are kind of making the decision of what players to nationally broadcast and what teams nationally broadcast. So again, those players that have more of a national brand, you will see see those those teams and those guys on national TV more than uh, either an NBA team without a superstar or or a team that just doesn't have a big brand recognition. And that's that that will stay consistent throughout um, all professional sports, right? NFL, you will pro, you will promote your big names on a national level. Same with MLB. Um, you, you would traditionally uh, try, try to make, uh, you know, ESPN has the rights to the MLB. You would traditionally see a lot of big market teams on, like, the Sunday Night Baseball. You know, with, with hockey, they have a national uh, contract or the, with NBC. And, you know, the Wednesday Night Rivalries is a big thing where you'll see a lot of name brand teams or big market teams as well as big market players kind of fill that spot for NBC, both on their Wednesday night rivalry and their weekend games as well. So more so with, with, um, with hockey, with baseball, uh, with basketball, you'll have national rights where those, are, those teams or those ESPN, TNTs, NBCs will buy national rights. They'll, they'll promote the games and the teams they want to promote. And then the local affiliates will kind of fill the rest up and have their broadcasts for regular games that aren't on national television. Um, so TV rights are, are, are the biggest revenue stream for all these sports and uh, sports organizations. The NFL, about two thirds of their, their revenue, two thirds of like their $7 billion revenue will come from TV rights, but you also have some other kind of revenue streams, you know, in-game experience, so ticket sales, concessions, you know, uh, merchandising is always always a big one. Uh, recently, in the NBA, they have now gone to like jersey logos or jersey ads, almost like you see in soccer across the globe. Now, for instance, I think the the Sixers um, partnership was only like five million dollars for that patch on their jersey all year, so it's not a huge revenue stream at the moment, but Again, some of these leagues are are looking to, to add different revenue streams, and maybe that's something we'll swing back around here to kind of touch base on, or really look about the future implications and, and the future direction of revenue streams for these organizations. We'll, we'll probably swing back around and, and make some predictions about where we think that's going here in the new, near future. So... So, all this kind of adds on to this, kind of adds on to, like, the the total package. You know, for those that don't know, this is also kind of these local markets and the national market or these local stations and and these national stations. You'll hear a term, big markets, and and, and mostly, mostly – You'll hear that in the MLB. Now, these, these implications are all across the board. You'll, you're, you'll hear some big markets in the NFL and, and hockey and basketball. Uh, but really, the sport that big markets affect the most is the MLB, just because there's no salary cap. So you basically, in baseball, you get to spend as much money as you know you can bring in. So the, that's why the Yankees, they have the YES Network. They have this huge market in, in New York, and the, the greater New York City area, and really all of New York, if we're being honest. Um, they're a big market. The LA Dodgers are a big market team. You know, um, the Phillies are considered a big market team, even though we suck. But, uh, you know, big markets come, you know, with big markets can be a reference to the of the local economy, the the number of uh, you know your demographic and the number of people you have in your area, and, and really kind of just values how much you can get in ad revenue and everything like that, for um, for the team and and going forward. with That a lot of time with these TV contracts too, you'll see you'll see long contract terms. You know, um, pretty much the Phillies just signed a 25-year contract term i believe um in 2015 the nfl signed uh, um contracts for like the next seven i think seven or eight years um you know the nhl and nbc i think was a 10-year contract so you'll also see a longer a contract time and part of the reason is it's just kind of a win-win for both organizations they don't want to keep on fighting um fighting for the rights and they if they're going to invest if a national network is going to invest in hosting an Aaron uh, a specific sports league they want to make sure that they can get uh, a return on investment in the long run right and and with these sports leagues they, they really helps them protect for the volatility to up and down when it comes to um, it comes to viewership because a lot of these contracts are based on how much we watch them and we'll kind of get in, into that a little bit. So the more both, both the networks and the professional sport leagues need us to watch their product. They want numbers to be big. That's why, you know, that's why it's always a big deal or we're seeing numbers come out each week, and of how much we watch, especially in the NFL, how much viewership these teams or these games got. Right, because a a dip in that viewership is a dip in revenue and now the NFL and uh, the NFL and these networks are kind of just losing their mind a little bit. You know. Um so last you know, for instance in the NFL last year, there was there was, you know, huge outcry from the NFL. The NFL and and all the networks because viewership was dropped. But If you look at it in the long run, every election year, viewership drops, right? So, you know, in 2016, viewership hasn't been as low as in 2008. But if you look back in 2008, what was going on is you had an election, I believe it was, was it McCain and Obama or, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was McCain and Obama in 2008. Anyway, you had two New um, candidates from both the, the right and the left in 2008, a huge election year. And then that build, build, build. And then in 2012, it dropped again, another election year. And then the build, build, build. And it dropped in, in 2016. And then, you know, everybody's everybody losing their damn mind. And it's just like, relax. But a lot of, a lot of time, these, long, these long-term contracts really help kind of the volatility up and down with um, kind of with the market and kind of gives you a, a more long-term perspective rather than trying to have trying to make contracts you know every every year every two years it doesn't really just doesn't make sense for anybody so you know what just to kind of understand the scope and the grasp of the concepts or or the contracts that that we're talking about here we're going to take like a little snapshot at the the NFL, mostly because they're all on a national basis. It's probably it has the biggest viewership. It has the biggest uh, it has it is the biggest league in our country. Um, and I, I think we'll start it will start to tell a story here. So when that, when the NFL was negotiating contracts, you had pretty much all four major networks speed players in there. So ESPN and ABC, they bought they they paid two billion dollars a year for the Monday night football rights and one wildcard game for you know usually it's that NFL wildcard Saturday they, they usually get. So ESPN paid two billion a year for, for those rights. Fox then pays one point one billion a year as well as like the NFC it's basically the NFC television package and the NFC playoff games. So, you know, Fox gets the NFC games and the NFC playoffs. CBS pays another billion dollars for the AFC television package and its playoffs games. And then they also, they chipped in another 230 million for those stupid ass five Thursday night football games. You know, everybody hates those, those Thursday night football games, but when you're getting 230 million from CBS and then you're getting another 230 million from NBC plus the 950 million you're getting for the Sunday night football package, you can understand why the NFL is doing it. So yeah, it's the Thursday night games is a really shitty product. They can't make those games interesting at all. The stupid ass color rush uniforms are God awful as well. But when you have $460 million, kind of in those packages, well, then you can understand why the NFL is doing it. Not to mention that Amazon, I believe, paid $50 million to digitally stream the games. And, and I don't know if Twitter had it last year or, or whatnot, but Twitter at one time paid $5 million to stream those games as well. Again, the streaming is a little bit different than actually live televised events. My, it is growing, in my opinion, but it's just not as lucrative as your, as your, as your main popular networks that are actually coming through you live through the TV. And where it gets even more complicated with these TV contracts is now networks or NBC has the right to flex games. So you see from like week 14 on, week or. Yeah, I think it's – actually, I believe it's even earlier. It might be even week 11 on. NBC has – no, it's week 11, 12 on because it's the last six weeks of the NFL season. So it's seventeen six. – anyway, the last six weeks. But NBC has the right now to, you know, has flex the game into a Sunday night. And the idea is that you get two good football teams or a very significant football game Sunday night, which – usually captures your highest viewership just because, you know, Sunday night, you're winding down for the week, and pretty much everybody's home, you have a pretty much undivided audience and you have the attention. You know, all major networks, not just talking about sports, but AMC and HBO, usually your best programming is Sunday night. Uh, you know, just because you can capture you, you have more people to capture usually because they're in their house and they're just kind of you know fucking around and not you know dreading, dreading work the next day so MEC has the right to flex those games but both Fox and CBS can protect five games in those last six weeks so with Fox you see like America's game of the week it's like it's always in that like 425 slot that 425 p.m. slot out here on the West Coast, now, depending on where you live, that will probably be different. But Fox has the right to protect five of the six games. So it becomes like a huge chess match between, you know, NBC is, is competing with Fox and Fox is competing with CBS. And they're all, you know, everybody's competing against everyone for NFL viewership and uh, viewer, uh, viewership rights, right? So it's, it's a game within the game. So, for instance, the NFL, I think it was just like two years ago, finally came out to the networks and said, you have to promote the other games that are on different networks. So now, like, if you take, if you take a look, like, you know, after coming out of commercial break or before commercial break, they will, they will flash all the, the games that are coming up um, in the afternoon or the Monday night game or whatever it is. And for the longest time, these major networks weren't doing that because they don't want you watching the product on another on another TV station, so it, I mean it, it's kind of crazy that they're all building bidding for the NFL rights. They're all showing the NFL product, but in a sense they're all competing with each other at the same time. And one thing the NFL had to do to kind of have these these Fox, CBS and NBC kind of pay for these rights is they alternate the Super Bowl. So every three years. One of these networks will get the Super Bowl, so it's not just always on NBC, it's not always on Fox, it's not always on CBS. They'll they'll have a rotation there, and, and part of that rotation kind of helps helps get them to that one billion dollar a year because every third year they know they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get a Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl is the biggest, the most watched televised event in America any given any given year, and it's really one of the only times that you have. You, can, you know you're going to capture an audience and you can capture a specific demographic, which, which as we talked about a little last week, the market has become so segmented that, that it's hard for a lot of advertisers to actually go out there and find the consumers and the demographics that they're looking for. So that's a little, that's a little background on like basically NFL contracts. I'm going to take a sip of my beer here. and then a little bit of water here to kind of relax the palate. But um, that's basically a little bit what's going on here with your major contracts and the NFL and, and kind of the chess game that's going on between them. But one one interesting thing that that this brings up is a little bit, when we, we hear about these contracts and whatnot that these these major networks are paying out, we can start to get a sense of why ESPN had to had to do their cuts. Not to go on a huge tangent around how we're consuming the product, but we're, we're kind of we're ESPN has paid two billion dollars a year for the NFL. You know, statist, You know, some of the reports out there that they only make back about two hundred and eighty-five million of that. So there's still a gap of about 1.7 billion, and for the longest time, ESPN could get away with that because they were always part of the cable bundle package, right? You know, still today, you know, you're you're paying with your cable. If you have cable, you're paying anywhere between seven to ten dollars a month just to have ESPN on your TV. But what's going on here is that that more, more so now than ever is people are cutting the cord or they're getting rid of the cable box. There's a lot of software and technology out there that allows them to stream right to the, to the device. And a lot more people are going towards that because you know cable and DirecTV, these these fees and, and this bill is kind of growing and growing and growing and growing, 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 growing. So like people are cutting the cable. So I think over the last two years alone, there are 13 million less people on cable or Direct TV than uh, than before. So, you know, you take 13 million people, you add around seven to ten dollars. You're, you know, ESPN alone is losing 100 million dollars just on loss of cable cable subscriptions. And then, let alone is now they're not getting as many viewerships, and now they're losing on advertising rights, and now people are either streaming games or they're going out to bars and watching with groups. So you, you so you can't really get a grasp, uh, of how many viewers you're getting. And it kind of all, all comes rolling downhill. So, you know, for, for ESPN, they have one or two routes in which they could have gone to, to really, to really, um, I guess, boost, boost the ratings or kind of, really determine the direction of their network. They could have gone to more sports um, sports type of analysis and things like that, that nature, or they could go, in the way in, they, in which they went is kind of double down on this, let's be a social and political and, and cultural relevance news network. And that's why they got rid of all their A lot of their online content guys, a lot of their the guys that had good relationship with teams or or were good beat writers and whatnot, and they stayed more to the flamboyant personalities that they had on ESPN. So, not to go on a huge tyrant there, but you know when you're paying out two billion dollars and it's basically paying for these rights in a very old school traditional sense of marketing and how we're going to capitalize on it. And then the market shifts on you. And now people are watching the sports differently. People are going through different avenues to watch games where you're still kind of stuck back in this old mold or old past. Of course, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to lose money. And that's exactly what happened. For instance, Fox, I mean, very quietly Fox kind of did, uh, a weird thing as well with, with their kind of program is that on if you go onto the Fox Sports website now, you will see no articles. They completely eliminated all their, their journalists and beat writers and all type of those, um, you know, the, just the web article content that you get with um, that, that most people are familiar with. Um, and, in fact, the, the writers that they did keep, what you're seeing now in Fox Sports is that you're having ghostwriters and they're having their their TV talents kind of basically repeat or or talk about what these ghostwriters are saying. You know, it's like, has that, go. you know, he, Drake can't rap. He can't. He doesn't have lines. I don't know why we love Drake so much. He has all these fucking ghostwriters. Now, Fox is doing the same thing with their guys. So when Colin Cowherd speaks, you know, it's usually a ghostwriter behind that. When Jason Whitlock speaks, it's usually a ghostwriter behind that. I don't know what the fuck they do with Skip Bayless. He's awful. So, I mean, the fact that he got $5 million. I mean, okay, great point. They gave Skip Bayless $5 million, and the guys what, speak for yourself, or I don't know what what his show is now on Fox, but it's getting worse worse ratings than Nickelodeon during that time slot. They're running reruns of Nickelodeon cartoons and can't even get as good as ratings. Or, or yeah, Nickelodeon rerun cartoons are getting better ratings than Skip Bayless is in the same slot. So you can understand why every, nobody, None of these major networks know what the hell they're doing or what the hell they need to do in order to make up back the money they got for some of these ridiculous contracts they did with the, uh, with the NFL. And on the same point, now, now we see the NFL is kind of saying, oh, shit, to themselves as well. Because uh, if these networks are struggling with, with the contracts and, and their money and the revenue, it's going to eventually come back on the NFL. And, and their contracts are going to decrease or, or there's going to be some, you know, I personally think there's, we're, we're seeing a huge sports bubble in this market at the moment and we're going to eventually see it crash and burn. But that's why the NFL, you know, I think you might see Amazon and play a little bit more. Who knows what Netflix do? Do you see Hulu get involved? Do you see Twitter or Facebook get involved? Do you see some of these, these high-tech companies start to get into the NFL, or do they stay away? And I, I think there are – I think these wheels are turning right now within the NFL headquarters of kind of seeing what's happening with the market right now, kind of seeing that all other all, all national partners are struggling and now, now they got to find a way of, you know, how the, how the hell do they go forward with this? You know, I think the one good thing the NFL, the NFL has, um is that it it is a sport and it's a product that is meant for the television so so you know more so than more so than you know baseball or hockey i mean personally i think hockey live is probably one of the best sports to watch live because you can't get appreciation of how fast those players are skating around unless you see it live you know baseball i think it's all about the experience right i think Baseball is a very boring sport to watch on television, but if you're in the ballpark, there's a lot of things going on. You can really appreciate a high fly ball, even if a guy catches it. Um, a home run, the the sounds, you see how positions or players kind of uh, position themselves in the outfield and the infield. I think it's a fun sport to watch live. I just you don't get the same effect watching it on TV. I think basketball is closely related to NFL because I think I think it's a great it's a great product both on on the television and on the like being there live watching it and usually these this the way these stadiums are built now there so there's not really a bad seat in the house so uh even you know I I've seen I've watched games on the lower level like the the mid level the high level you really have a good experience all around now and and I think it's fun but like the NFL you know, more people are shifting to watching it in the home or watching it, especially in cold-weather towns, watching it inside from the comfort of their house with shorts and a T-shirt on. You know, I I personally never – I've been going to the Eagles game since they were still in the debt. And for me, the experience of going to the Eagles stadium, kind of the the smell of beer on the concrete, the whole atmosphere, the kind of the miserable – atmosphere after we lose i mean (laughs) it's all it's what i live for like me and my dad going to the eagles game like i I will take that 100 times out of 100 i've been to some cold games where we brought in you know the the heat impacts and i've had three or four layers on and i wouldn't trade it for the world but i don't i don't think badly people that just want to watch from the confines of their house right because they usually they get to see a lot more you know, they get to check their fantasy teams. They're on Twitters. They have a bunch of Wi-Fi. And, the, you know, there's, like, there's cameras set all over. So you're seeing every angle. You're not missing a play. You know, it, it's NFL is meant for TV. And, and that's, I mean, that's what the NFL cares about. They, they care about, you know, that's why they can get the money, because it's a great television product, whereas watching it live, at the game, usually, usually you don't get as good of views or really have an idea of what's going on. I mean, I think that's also one reason why the NFL is making a huge push towards in-game experience because as much as they like the TV contracts, they still want to get you into the, into the game, right? Because once you get in the game, then you're buying your concessions and you're buying your $10 beers if you're lucky. I'm sorry if you heard that burp. I apologize. Um, And you're buying the merchandising, right? So, like, the NFL is making a a huge push for more of that at-home experience by trying to boost Wi-Fi without the stadium. Um, I think the San Fran uh, 49ers introduced almost like a little beacon program in the stadium. So it can tell you that you're waiting in a line that's too long and there's a shorter line within 50 feet of you, um, you know, on the jumbotrons in the stadiums now, they're showing you exactly what the Raptors are seeing under the hood, right? Because you can see that at home, but when you were at the game for the longest time, you had no idea what the hell they were looking at. So the NFL made a push to kind of um, show what they're seeing under the hood. In all stadiums now, they have like a fantasy football ticker somewhere, right? So you can look up and, and you can see you can see who's doing what in fantasy and they have, they have like red zone type highlights where commercial breaks, they'll show you your highlights going around at the league right now. So the NFL is making a huge push to have more of a friendly, a friendly in-game experience that you can get at home. But undoubtedly the home product right now for the NFL is so much bet. I want to say better, but, so I guess so much accessible and so much easier to get everything out of it than you would, uh, you would at a live experience. So if there's a dynamic shift going on with, you know, t- people watching on TV versus people actually going to the game, you know? So I, I don't know how I'm going to segue into another section after that, but there you go. So, one other thing I do want to, or a couple other things I do want to talk about. So I talked a lot about the NFL, but we also need to be understanding that um, a lot of these, a lot of these leagues are competing against each other, right? So, so what we see during the calendar year of these sports leagues is that that drafts, in particular, and purposely are perfectly placed and a time or a window to take attention off another league, right? I mean, this is one thing Mark Human bitched about with the NFL. He says, like, you know, fat pigs are only getting fatter and, and something, something's about to go haywire. But, I mean, and, and I would also say that the NFL is is pushing this a little bit. They're, they're trying to start this battle a little bit more than the other sport leagues. But – I mean, it was a whole concept of moving the draft to prime time Thursday night, right? So now you have the draft late April, early May, competing with the NBA, and I think it's during the NBA playoffs, right? So now you're trying to take attention off the league. You know, You know, July 1st comes around, you know, you know July 1st comes around, it's free agency for basketball, you have their drafts, whatnot, they... They want to capture as much attention as possible. So have back and forth. It's also a reason why the PGA Tour is said, "Fuck this competition!" and move the PGA Championship from August during football season or football talk season to, I believe, it was April to May. So, so now golf is golf is doing. They're they're deciding. They're just trying to get out. They, they're trying to get a window, a window where they're they're hardly um, they're not competing with the NFL. And it's kinda of telling that they move it to May, so they'll rather uh because it might you know, it could be two different demographics that they're seeing, but they'd rather compete against the NBA and and kinda of the, the playoff window in May than really compete with the preseason of the NFL. So, you know, and, and for instance the, the NFL the NFL stupid Hall of Fame game has been drawing better ratings over the last years than your, you know, the MLB World Series and, and some some games, some NBA Finals games and everything of that nature. So, the NFL really is a juggernaut. I think they're getting a little greedy, but at the end of the day, all these leagues are competing with each other for airtime, for recognition, so that you're consuming their product rather than the competition's product. I hope that kind of makes sense to you. So, I mean, even though ESPN owns race to the NFL and basketball, there's a game within the game that, you know, those two leagues are in a way competing for your audience and attention, right? You know, it's it's really it's really hard to give your full attention to more than one sport at a time. You can go to a sports bar. I mean, I do this all the time. You go to a sports bar. I watch a lot of sports at one time, but at the end of the day, I'm picking one one game to really devote all my attention to, and it's it's no difference um, when, when it goes to a smaller screen, in um, in your home. So, at the end at the end of the day, we have all these TV contracts and way we're consuming sports and, and the shift and how that and I guess the 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 last step here is, you know, mm-hmm. what do we have in store for the future? So with all these with all these venues now that that players or people can have to watch the games and kind of how maybe not as beneficial these long term contracts are for these sports organizations or how maybe they're not making their money back now for with the billion dollar a year contracts that CBS and NBC and Fox have you know do we see that I personally think we'll see uh, the bubble kind of snap and and kind of these contracts shrink back down to earth. I don't see it being a drastic shrink, but instead of maybe 1.1 million, it gets dropped down to 800, 700 million, maybe not for and maybe not for as long of time. Right? I'll be interested to see also again if you have some technology companies like some you know, you know, the Snapchat, I mean, that's as fast as Snapchat try to come into the market, you know, does Hulu try to come into the market and start broadcasting. And really are we technology, but not technologically, are we really there yet that we can stream these games as efficient as we can watch them, you know, on our television. I mean, interesting to note that ESPN, I think it was just a week or week ago, kind of like na- Acknowledge that they are coming out with their own premium streaming app. So this is going to be addition outside your watch ESPN. It's going to be, be go behind a paywall where now Disney. Disney can, can charge for you to watch certain amount of games, right. Or certain games. Um, part of it is called the BAM technologies. I, and if you haven't heard of it, it was a, a, a streaming technology that all the MLB teams invested in. Um, to kind of stream games at a higher quality, a higher product, things of that nature. And and Disney basically just bought the rights to that. So um, BAM Technology was working highly with the MLB and hockey. So there are predictions out there that now these products, you know, the MLB and hockey games will be available to stream more accessible. Here we go back to accessible um, standpoint that we talked about a little bit last Last or Sunday about the accessibility of sports and sports and how we consume products. So with advanced technology and Disney buying this this kind of this this technology, there these teams might be more accessible to us as consumers, but they're also gonna be gonna be behind a paywall and kind of what their pay structure or pay model would be is still kind of up in the air. So it would be kind of cool to see buy a game. To stream for a dollar or you could buy like a premium package um, uh for for the year for like a 100 or whatever their whatever the price breaks may be but it, it i think this is going to be a natural shift you know is that because these these major television um sites might not be making back the money that they were projecting when they offered these billion dollar contracts you might see a shift to more streaming, paid streaming services than we did in the past. For instance, NBC just did this with the Prem, so the Premier League, which is the the, the United Kingdoms or the England's domestic soccer league. So what you saw over the last couple years is that with the NBC Sports, even if the game was not on television, you could go you could go on your phone or your app. And watch any game from the Premier you want. It was it was a pretty awesome it was a pretty awesome thing. You could watch games from all over the place. But what happened is now NBC realizes that it's hard for them to make up the money they spent on that contract. So what they decided to do is now put the games that are not on NBC Sports behind a paywall. So now you have to pay fifty dollars for the year to be able to access the games that were free the last three years on the NBC sports app. So I wouldn't be surprised if that, that's going to be the direction for a lot of these networks to come, you know, if Fox and CBS, you know, you know, put, put some of their content, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can put any of the content behind the paywall or find different ways to come out with new contact, the content that they can actually pay for, for or charge for. So, I think that is a natural progression of of that. Also, one another stuff some of these networks could do is that I think virtual reality isn't there, but it's growing. It's growing. You see this with the PlayStation, the um, with the Xbox, and and I I think there is a virtual reality boom about to come you know i i still think the technology really is two three years behind but i could also see some of these networks maybe maybe charging for more of a virtual reality experience right so you can either watch the game on your television or you know i could see one day of refs having little stream cams on their hats or whatnot and you can you can pay that virtual reality to kind of kind of zip in and out of different angles around the stadium or or you know um, or, or in the seats on the stadiums or on the refs on the sidelines maybe maybe that's the future that that they go on it, it's kind of that that streaming future you know that dr type of way something um, I don't know how to add this in but another Another way technology is kind of affecting the business of – I'm drinking my water. I'm sorry. I'm about to cough real bad. One thing that that I think has been hidden in the weeds a little bit that I wanted to mention for like a brief 90 seconds is that the Sixers deal with StubHub. So for those that don't know, the Sixers and StubHub have made a – a partnership here where that all Sixers tickets are now filtered through StubHub. So you know you no longer have like two different sites where you can go into like sixers.com and buy tickets or you have StubHub. They're they're one in the same now, right? So all all the Sixers tickets are managed through StubHub. So at first I might not be that big of a deal, but it really Allows Sixers to have one step removed from StubHub and now allow StubHub to really fluctuate prices based on demand. So they have their algorithms, right? So And, and StubHub can either increase the price or, or drop the price of these gains that, uh, depending on demand. And even if they're Sixers direct tickets, you know, we as consumers can't tell the difference. So... In some aspects, you know, some people were saying this is cool in the ways that even if it's um, from like a, a third party or a reseller, you can still pair the same seats up with our are coming from the Sixers directly. But one thing that's really cautious or what makes me cautious about this partnership is that we can't tell. We can't tell anymore what's a third-party reseller, what's coming directly from the Sixers, what is fair market price, what were the tickets normally based at, because now we're using technology, and it's all in a flux, and it's all up and down, up and down, and it's kind of scary, and I think the Sixers are first adapters to this, but they're not going to be the last team to start doing this, and I I think prices for for live events are already as very expensive as it is, especially when you compare our tickets compared to, to like England soccer games or England cricket games or England rugby games. You know, there was a huge outcry for our, Arse- uh, the Arsenal fan base when tickets were around $70, you know, we, I, I don't think there's a sports fan in America that, that thinks $70 is bad to go to an event, you know? So it's, it's very, you know it's expensive now to take your family to sports games and I, I think kind of integrating with systems like StubHub or, or maybe even TechRemaster that can allow a very uh, that allows you to flexible and flex your pricing as easy as these, these type of programs technology and software allows you to is also going to be a, a, a slippery slope and I also unfortunately think that uh, this is a, a, this is a future technology that I couldn't add into that smoothly, but it, it's it's happening. So that we definitely need to be aware. So I mean, I wasn't planning on going 52, 53 minutes, but shit, I'm here. Um, I think that's all I really want to say. Uh, I want to appreciate it again here for calling in or listening in to. You know, big cinnamons, hump day beer beer discussion. Um, you know, congratulations on making it here during the week. 60% of your week is done. It's all downhill from here. Um, let me know what you think. I, I know I came at this last um, last minute, but but you know, these episodes here aren't as important to what, listen live. I would like to, you know, if you, I would love for you to listen live and kind of call in and tell me what you think, but. The, the the whole point is that especially these discussions that I'm talking about doing solo or should be discussions that you'll be able to listen to and kind of have um, almost like a Netflix on demand where it doesn't really, it's not up to the minute news where, where you feel you need to watch it that day to have relevance. The, the whole point is that you'll be able to kind of reference back on these discussions over time and kind of put the pieces together and, and go from there. So, I appreciate all the help. Oh, and again, thank you, my sponsor, uh, Papa Bears. For those listeners that haven't checked it out, I love papa bear.com. Do yourself a favor. Go get yourself some kind of healthy nut butters. Get some cool ass gear. You'll thank me later. And uh, I'm going to wrap it up here. Don't forget, Northeaster Sportscast Season 2 starting this Sunday. I believe it is August 20th, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And uh, we're gonna get the band back together and it's going to be a wild episode, so thanks for sticking with me. Have a good one and stay classy. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber. You go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. <laughs>